Welcome to episode two of Life After AI, where our goal for this episode is for me to figure out, should I buy Microsoft? Stop. Let's get into um, it. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, um, and the reason I'm curious is because they, they acquired ChatGPT, which just seems like the move of the century, but I could be wrong. So let's. Like I said, let's figure it out. So we should, we probably shouldn't say that they acquired chat GPT. It's kind of like a, I guess a temporary deal. So I guess we'll start off by kind of breaking down what the deal terms look like. Cause I think that in itself is, is pretty interesting. So, um, Microsoft is investing a total of about 13 billion into, uh, open AI as a, as a whole. And. From that, they are going to get 75% of all of OpenAI's profits um, until basically until that they've received a payback of their initial 13 billion and then also 92 billion on top of that. Um, and OpenAI has to pay a total of 150 billion to all the other investors. And then once they've paid out that total, which is like 255 billion which for the record, massive amount of money, obviously. Um, after they pay all of that back, then all the equity goes back to OpenAI. So it's a, that in itself is a pretty interesting deal structure. Like OpenAI's, or uh, sorry, Microsoft is basically giving them, you know, a launch pad to develop the technologies that they're wanting to over the next however many years. And Microsoft stands to gain, you know, quite a bit from that. But assuming this all goes according to plan for OpenAI, like at the end of the day, they're going to get all their equity back. They're going to um, basically have built out this. At that point, they'd potentially be, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world because, I mean, $255 billion, that's like an absurd amount of money. Um, For sure. Am I wrong in thinking like this is a new type of deal? I mean, the way I heard that is like Microsoft is essentially acting like a bank. Um, and I've just never yeah. heard of a. I've just never heard of any sort of uh, deal like that. So is that am, am I missing something? Or I I personally have not heard of anything like that either. So that very well could be the case. But yeah, they are kind of acting like a bank in the sense that they're just giving them, you know. $10 billion up or 13 billion up front to use however they see fit. And then Microsoft, you know, obviously can incorporate a lot of their technologies into their cloud services, into uh, Bing. We could talk about that for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, but at the end of the day, assuming everything goes according to plan for open AI, like Microsoft's not going to hold any long-term equity from this deal. Right. Yeah. Shouldn't that be concerning for Microsoft? And at some point they're going to depart, they're going to split from open AI. And then, I mean, doesn't that leave them wildly vulnerable? Well, that's something that I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work because one can assume, you know, if, if Microsoft is, for example, integrating a bunch of, um, open AI's technology into Bing to create this new, like super advanced version of a search engine that they're planning to like use to take on Google, 
you know, what, what happens to that kind of relationship that they have when they no longer have equity in the company? Like, do they get to still keep all of the technology that they've built? Like, I would assume so, but it's just the specifics of the deal are not super clear. And I think that's probably done on purpose because Microsoft seems to be holding their cards pretty close on this one. Um, it'll be interesting to but see. I will say, um, I was going to say real quick, um, I think the reason why it's probably structured this way is because I would assume that, you know, knowing what OpenAI knows, that it would be very hard to convince them to like give up a significant portion of their company long term. So this is probably like the only kind of deal that they're really open to because um, they know that OpenAI was open to. Yeah, because because they know the potential of what they're building, and it would not be it would not be smart of them to give up half their company or whatever permanently. Um, it, it'd be like they know they're on they're on the cusp of something amazing, right? It, it'd be like Tesla uh, selling out to Ford or something, uh, you know, ten yeah. years ago. Yeah, it it just wouldn't make sense for them to do that, but they've structured it in like a very smart way where they're getting, you know, all the money that they could really need. I mean, 10 or $13 billion, I guess it is. Um, that sets them up to pretty much accomplish whatever they want. And assuming everything goes the way that they're planning, like this is kind of like an all or nothing deal for them. Like if, if it goes, if they are able to leverage that 13 billion to build what is probably going to turn into one of the first, if not the first, like true AGI systems, then they're going to become one of the biggest companies in the world. And at the end of the day, after they pay back all their investors, they get all their equity back. But if that doesn't work, then it's like they're still paying out 75% of whatever they are making back to Microsoft. And they'll pretty much be stuck in that loop indefinitely. So this is kind of their, like I said, their all or nothing deal. Could you imagine signing that? You'd have some right. uh, sweaty palms going on for sure. Oh yeah. So, right. Um, it'll be interesting. A the the thing I have, the thing I think they have in their favor is the fact that to me it seems like every business, other, it just seems like every business is going to be incorporating ChatGPT into their procedures into their practices whatever you want to everyone to say mm-hmm. it just seems like every company is going to be doing that so i just don't see this failing um one interesting thing that i did see though was that it was called like you i think i wrote it down there was some browser that was already um and it already incorporated chat gpt um so I mean, it looks like they're being their plans for being already has some competition. I'm sure they have mm-hmm. way more resources at Microsoft to destroy this. It, it looks like just like a small startup, but yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'd be curious though if that the the website you're mentioning if it actually is using you know Chat GPT like their technology or if it's just something they're kind of building out on their own because I do know like right now you know for example you like. OpenAI, their other like language models are open to be used by pretty much anybody. Um, but the model being used for 
chat GPT, um, that one they've, it's not open to the public, but they are, they have like select business partners that they're allowing to kind of use and experiment with until they do decide to open it to the public. So, and from what they've been saying over the past few weeks, like they're like, they've already opened up a wait list for this in particular. So that seems very close and I would assume it's going to happen within the next several weeks or a couple months. Um, and so when that takes place, we're just going to see like this whole other wave of AI startups popping up all over again. Cause so, so yeah, to kind of clear, clear that up, um, just for myself. So I guess there's two ways businesses are incorporating chat GPT one is you just use it. Like if you're a lawyer, like mm-hmm. we talked about last episode, you're just feeding in the questions to get the uh, document that you want, or you can use it as, um, oh, like this like a, browser a tool will be using. To, to build like applications on top of it. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and and that's, that's a, but eventually they're going to want to have as many companies using it to build applications and stuff. I mean, because that's just kind of mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they're just going to dominate and, the world that way, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you have like if you have like the most advanced model, then it only makes sense for companies to one like use it for their own employees, teach them how to to leverage it properly. But also, like, companies are just going to naturally use your technology over anything else that exists. And when that happens, like, the more people that are going to be actively using it, whether it's businesses building on top of it or just people using it for their own jobs, the better it's going to get over time. Because, I mean, just like the network, network effects of social media in a way where more people that are using it, the more people are going to get invited to it and see it and join. Same way with these language models. The The more people that are using it, the more feedback they're going to get. They can retrain the models. It's going to get even better. And so I find it at this point, like seeing how fast ChatGPT has gotten. The, la- the latest number I heard was over 10 million users, which is absurd. Um, I think it's hard, it'd be very hard for anyone to catch up at this point unless they some other company just put out something like absolutely incredible but right. i i feel like with uh with with the microsoft partnership and also just like the amount of users they have using chat gpt it's kind of like in game for them at this moment like there's there's not really any other company that's going to be able to catch up so that seems like a good place to uh Talk about Google and DeepMind. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. Yeah, so I sent Alec a tweet. Um, looks like there's some rumors that Google is lobbying um, in D.C. against any further AI development. I I don't know specifically what they're trying to target, but it does look like they're trying to halt this AI movement and based off everything we just talked about, I mean, they, they've got good reason to be uh, panicking in my mind. I mean, too, and all across Twitter, I've seen like all week, like Google and then Code Red. Um, I don't know if you've seen any right. of that, but, but yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, it's, I think they definitely are panicking and the fact that they're already resorting to like regu regulatory capture, it's kind of sad to see. I mean, Google, they were, they were the company that kind of started a lot of this stuff. Like a lot of the original language models were built from Google and then they just, I, they just seem to have been left in the dust by other companies. Like uh open ai like they're a lot of the technologies that they're using at like the core came from from google um and it's just interesting to see how they've like they've kind of built this foundation and had a head start on everybody else and then just absolutely blew it because i mean other companies are just innovating much faster than them and i would assume it probably has to do with the fact that just when companies get that large, they just become very inefficient at innovating. And it's just a cycle of like a company getting super big and bloated. And then you have these new hungry startups that are just going to out innovate them like OpenAI, for example. Um, so they're basically backed into a corner now and they're, I guess the, the specifics of what they're trying to do is still unclear, but I think the rumors probably definitely have some merit to them. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just sad to see them trying to prevent innovation so they can kind of protect their own business, protect deep mind. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. I think it definitely, um, provides a good lesson for Microsoft moving forward, to, you know, cause I'm sure they're, I mean, it, it seems obvious they're going to bring in a lot of revenue over the next however long. What was the, yeah, I was going to ask you that earlier. How long is the deal for between them and OpenAI? It's, just it's open ended until they get their money paid back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was a question I was going to ask you. How long do you think that's going to take? Ooh. That's interesting. It's 255 billion. Yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> what does it be off the top? Do you know off the top of your head, like what, I mean, so Tesla, most, I don't know, this could be the stupidest thing I say all year. Is it, are they the most profitable co company in the world at the moment? They're the most profitable car company, but not, uh, the most profitable company in the world. I'm pretty sure Apple is still at the top. Um, and I want to say, I'm not sure what exactly they're doing annually in profit. I know it's in the tens of billions per year, probably maybe even hundreds of billions, but so, I mean, for open AI to get to that point, it would definitely be a decade plus, I would imagine, unless they, unless we're just like severely underestimating how fast AI is going to progress. Um, cause well, based off the insane amount of content I see saying 10 X your productivity, 10 X your Whatever, using ChatGPT, mm -hmm. I think it's going to go quick. Also, I find that very annoying. I hate the whole 10 everything about your life. Like, just <laughs> how about you let me have a right. break for a second? Jesus. Right, right. But I mean, so kind of back to the original question you posed of like, you know, is Microsoft stock a buy? Um, I think if you want to make a bet on AI in the public markets, then at the moment, Microsoft is pretty much your best bet, I would say. Um, but how exactly the stock 
reacts is going to be interesting because you know if open ai really does skyrocket with their technology and their revenue then there's going to come a day where that cash flow from open ai is going to stop but i think regardless there will be you know if open ai does reach that point within the next few years and they become like a significant addition to microsoft revenue as a whole then i would definitely say that that's like you know a company to keep an eye on for sure potentially could be one of the better investments over the next like five to 10 years. Right. Right. And who would have thought that, you know, who would have thought in my mind, that's like a crazy comeback. Microsoft coming out of nowhere for the win. Yeah. And what I found interesting too, is they've, they've been very, like they've kind of downplayed this whole deal. Like I, I read the official announcement that Microsoft put out and like, is a very short article, no mention of any specific numbers. They just said, like, we've built this relationship with OpenAI. We're going to integrate their tools into our technologies. And, like, they left it very vague. So they've been kind of hush-hush on this whole thing and not, like I said earlier, just kind of keeping their cards close to their chest. And I, I think that's really smart of them. So it'll it's going to be very exciting to see... Like, are we going to see this crazy Bing comeback? Like, is everyone's going to be using Bing search now? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes of it for sure. Yeah. 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 It'll be cool. Um, well, do we want to, you got any more uh, thoughts about it or do you want to try and move on? Uh, no, we can, we can move on. I know you mentioned earlier, like, chat gpt um and companies using them like for or their employees using them um i mean do you kind of see this wave happen where a lot of companies are going to be training their employees on how to use chat gpt how to leverage it to do their jobs better like do you think that's going to become a lot more prevalent yeah i think so and and i don't know if these two things are related but have you been seeing all this stuff about all these layoffs within tech? I have, yeah. And my initial thoughts on that is I don't think they're related to AI. Um, I think it's just they grew, companies hired a lot last year in preparation for what they thought was going to be this continuous boom of the economy. And things are obviously not going that way for them. And then they see like people like Elon buying Twitter and firing 80% of the workforce and companies doing just fine. So they see stuff like that and they're like, okay, how can we kind of do the same? And now we're just, there's this math. I'm not saying Elon's the one to, um, he's the one leading the charge on all of that, but it definitely played a bit of influence into these other tech companies laying off a bunch of people. I, I, I think it lays the foundation for, um, large amounts of incorporation with chat GPT, um, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even without the layoffs, that, that seems like the only path forward, um, forward for, for whoever. So yeah, it'll just Did be interesting. The, uh... I mean, 
Well, it'll it'll just be interesting, and and hopefully we get to a point where we can have people on, um, and then see how they're incorporating mm-hmm. it, uh, and what their what that looks like. So, so yeah, I don't know. I think that's exciting too. Did you see the the BuzzFeed news? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So supposedly BuzzFeed is working on ways to, or they're already going to start implementing ways to generate content using chat GPT. Um, and wasn't I, it, wasn't it like all their content was going to be, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I saw mixed reports. I, I think I can't imagine that they're just going straight into all of their content being used or being generated through chat GPT. I'd imagine they're just kind of experiment, experimenting with it at first. Um, but yeah, the, the Buzzfeed stock had a good reaction to that. I think at its highest point, it was up like over 200% that day. So that was, that was interesting to see. Um, nice. but yeah, I mean, we're already seeing these big companies that are going to start experimenting with it and seeing how it works into their employees' lives. And, um, and on, the, have, uh... on top of that. I was going to say then, like on top of that, these companies like laying off a ton of employees. Um, I think a lot of this innovation and also just the recession itself, it's putting these companies in a position where they need to start, you know, getting back to the days where tech companies were trying to be as lean as possible, innovate as much as possible, and just generate as much cash as possible. And so I think at least for the financial markets like this, all of this stuff happening, um, it's going to be a good thing for companies in the long term. Um, did you see, well, shoot, I lost my train of thought now. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So on the opposite end of the spectrum of BuzzFeed, um, using ChatGPT to make a lot of their content, I, I did see a tweet, uh, that said, I'm a something along the lines of like I'm about to start paying more for human generated content. Like if I know it's made by a human, um, so I, as a writer, I was excited to <laughs> to see that. Right, right. Um, yeah. What are what are your thoughts on that as a whole? Because I do think you know we'll there will be like this initial interest in people that are, like you said, willing to pay more for human generated content. They don't want to, they don't want to read articles knowing that some AI software just wrote it for them. But do you see that continuing? Because in my mind, I kind of feel like at a certain point, AI writing is going to be so indistinguishable from human writing and companies like BuzzFeed, for example, are going to build out their own models that are just like highly trained to write very, um, like very, uh, attentive articles that are just like, like they're going to have all of this information input where they can curate the best title to get the most clicks and then have like the best articles written to keep people's attention. And I'm just, I feel like long-term there's not, at least in applications like that, it's going to be hard for human writers to kind of keep up. Um, 
yeah, what what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, at the moment, I agree. I, I mean, I think the majority of writing will uh, will get a, overtaken or however you want to phrase it. But I do think there will there will be one area of writing left open, and and that's going to be like writing that's geared towards sharing human experience. So, uh, personal stories, um, this is what I'm thinking about specifically, like these last couple of weeks on my Substack, I've, that's why I've been, I've just been sharing stories from, um, when I lived in Montana and I failed to see how chat GPT can, yeah, I mean, I guess it could make that content, but I don't know. I, I don't know if the fact that I wrote it gives it more value or not. I, I think it does. Mm. And so, yeah, yeah, I think any, uh, any writing outside of that will get overtaken, but like, it, because yes, AI is going to dominate, but we still have to exist as humans. And until AI um, kind of becomes conscious, conscious, Right. I just don't think it can accurately uh, write about the human experience like we can. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong, but in my head, that's no. I could, that seems yeah. to be about right. Yeah. No. I I could agree with that. Um, I think certain, I guess, sections of writing will get overtaken much earlier than others, uh, particularly uh, news articles, for example. Um, because I think just the whole incentive structure for journalists writing news and stuff right now is very, very skewed to just have like sensational articles that are maybe not the most accurate depiction of of what's happening. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, like, does AI just enhance that even more? Because it can just take in so much more data than what a human would. And it can, like I said, curate the perfect title to generate the most clicks and have like the most sensational article to go the most viral. Or are we just going to see a lot of news writing get heavily commoditized and then it's just going to be like you'll have whole news organizations that are just powered by AI that's just in taking input of information and then writing articles and spitting them out. So... That that's gonna be interesting to see play out. I think that'll probably get overtaken by AI first and then some of the more creative aspects of writing, like you said, the writing about human experiences, um, maybe like long form storytelling, that's gonna take a bit longer to to get overtaken. Right. Yeah, it's just tricky because I mean there's no doubt in my mind that you know, if you if you were to plug in like for my essays, it could probably it, it definitely could spit out um, an effective copy or a, a new story that fits seamlessly into my work. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, so uh, I don't know. I, it's just it's just going to be uh, tricky to see where the value ends up being and and whatnot. So. But for the moment, I yeah, feel I feel sure. good. I think it lies with the humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think for now, like, 
a lot of, if anything, AI is helping writers like generate ideas uh, in a more effective way or maybe write articles faster using like some, like I think I sent you a tool last week that, um, like an AI writing tool that can, like as you start writing, it keeps up with what you're writing along the way and then gives you like suggestions of what, um, like how to phrase things going forward or different topics that you could incorporate. So I think, um, we'll, we'll, for an, at least for now, it's just going to be a tool that writers can leverage to one, make their current writing a lot better and two, kind of increase their, their output of writing as a whole. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I'd say we'll have to look more to that watermark. Did we, did have we talked about that on the, during the episode or was that before? That was, that was before. Okay. Well, just to fill in our, uh, our listeners, we, I found this tweet from AI breakfast, just talking about some on Twitter, but wait, um, just talking about this potential new technology that could like help us identify what is AI generated writing and, um, what's human generated writing. Alec and I, we couldn't figure out quite how it works in the specifics, but we'll have to dive into it a bit further and figure that out. Cause I, I do think that would help a lot. Um, mm-hmm. but two, you know, it might help, it might help us develop our critical thinking because at the end, end of the day, at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't matter if it's human produced or AI produced because what matters is the content. So, um, right. So we'll just have to figure out like, oh, we'll, we'll just have to focus more on, well, is the writing valuable? Is it, uh, insightful? Is it whatever you're looking for? Oh. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe the competition yeah. will just push human insight even further and we'll have some of the best writers yet. Well, seems possible. I could even imagine like certain laws being set in place that would require any, any, um, any sort of writings published on the internet, whether it's a blog, a book, whatever, it would just require the original author to kind of distinguish, you know, was this written purely from your own mind or did you use AI tools or was it completely, um, AI generated? Like, I think in the instance of completely AI generated, um, writing it, I don't think it'd be a bad thing if there were some sort of, you know, laws in place that would require people to at least just disclose that. So you would be aware of it. Right. And two, man, that's tricky. So is it, how much of it is your writing and how much of it, like, let's say you're using chat GPT, how much of it is open AI's writing? And so right. do they have yeah. any grounds for, um, for, so copywriting it or, um, you know, mm-hmm. you produce a book that you got through chat GPT, are you going to be sued or, or whatever? So I don't know. That's interesting. But then there's the the third level to that, which is chat GPT or just open AI in general trains all of their models off of existing writing on the internet that isn't even theirs. And so 
like there's there's multiple levels to it you know like jesus how exactly does copywriting like how do you enforce copywriting in a world where there's just robots on the internet just outputting images videos like how do you enforce that like i don't i don't think you really can unless you just like set these laws in place that at least require you to disclose if it's ai generated or whatever but that's also going to be a very interesting field so to watch develop do you think um maybe this already exists probably not like what if there was some technology developed that prevented your work from being able to be um, put into these models that whatever AI is training off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if anything like that exists now, but I would imagine something like that might end up happening or maybe just again, like I think we'll probably end up seeing for good or worse, a lot of potential AI regulation, you know, popping up over the the coming months. And so, you know, maybe they'll require these AI companies to, uh, like they can only train their models off of data that they own or they're paying for the rights to. Because um, at the moment, like chat or open AI trains all their models just off of data that's just been scraped from the internet um like they didn't ask for permission to do that and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but i do think there's an argument to be had when you have writers or artists that are putting a lot of time and potentially it's it's their whole career that they're using to their whole career is you know art or writing whatever it may be and then they're putting it out there for people on the internet to see. Um, and then it's just kind of be turned around and being used to, you know, make, I make AI even better without really their permission. So anything, yeah, that's, I'm not really sure how I see, see that playing out, but I do think there's going to be some, some regulations that are going to be start putting into place. Right. Um, two thoughts on that. The first being, yeah, I didn't think about that because earlier I, I had remarked that maybe this AI revolution like yeah, produces some of the best human writers of all time. But, you know, as the as we get better, well, yeah, you mentioned it. So does the AI. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the move point. And then secondly, you know, maybe, maybe um, if you can only train your AI on information that you, ha- that you have... Um, ownership of or uh, permission to access maybe that helps slow down the monopolization of the internet of, of open ai's actual monopolization of the internet um maybe uh makes it a little bit more fair I, so that could be an interesting and the second kind of useful usefulness in that in a law like that so yeah i think i'm obviously very pro-innovation, pro-capitalism in general. But I I just find it very hard to see some sort of scenario where there isn't going to be a monopolization of AI technology. Um, I I think there's just 
the natural way of how AI progresses and improves exponentially over time, there's there's going to be very few companies that kind of hit that inflection point of the exponential improvement. And so I'm just not sure that I see a scenario where there's going to like, there's going to be like maybe one, two or three AI companies that kind of control a majority of the AI, AI technology being used. Um, and they're going to get so big and have such highly trained models and so much data that they're just untouchable. Um, and I think if that's obviously a, a lot of power and if that's in the wrong hands, it could really set up for some, some bad scenarios there. Um, no doubt. So in terms of open AI's competition, um, we have DeepMind, but are you aware of any foreign competitors? Because like, let's say open AI takes over the internet, um, as an American, that's great because then that kind of solidifies our, our place on town. Um, but you know, that puts the rest of the world at a severe disadvantage. So then maybe you see a rise. Oh, global unity or global globalization, which whether that's a good or bad thing, I know if that's the course that things take, that seems like that would seem logical. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not aware of any foreign competition at the moment. I would imagine there's definitely projects that are in the works uh, that maybe we just haven't heard about yet, but probably nothing to the level of what OpenAI is doing, for example, at least not yet. Um, but that, that does bring an interesting point. Um, you know, we initially, like, at one point we had the global space race for innovation and now it's we're probably going to end up in a scenario where we kind of have the global ai race of company or countries that are they want to be leading the world of ai because whoever's ahead it's going to be it's going to make it very hard for anyone else to to catch up once they get to a certain point right right but you know maybe I don't know. That's tricky. Um, I mean, I guess if we want to get into international politics a little bit, like, you know, in this situation, this really highlights like the ineffectiveness um, of an operation like uh, the Communist Party in China, because, you know, by halting innovation, they, they, pro they probably had startups kind of with the same goal of open AI, but maybe, I, I, I don't know, this is hypothetical, but you know, there's a good chance they got squashed. Um, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, but now in, in this scenario, China's now screwed. Um, so I don't know. It's just, that's, that's interesting, but definitely uh, highlights the importance of kind of as a, if you're the leader of a country, letting your people just run, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. And I, I will say, I don't think like, I don't think OpenAI is at a point where they are untouchable by any other company. Um, I don't think that's it's come to that yet. I think they're very close, especially with this massive investment they just received from Microsoft. But 
I wouldn't say it's it's over just yet for anybody else. Like, I still think that, you know, Google could have a potential to do something, especially given just the massive amount of resources they have. Um, I mean, they have DeepMind, which has done some pretty cool stuff, but I, they've been relatively quiet. Um, it's really the only AI, like massive AI uh, applications that have come out so far that have kind of taken the world by storm have just come from, from open AI. Um, um, can I ask you, so what about Tesla? I mean, mm-hmm. I know with them kind of geared towards producing self-driving cars, they, I mean, I'm not mistaken, right? They have quite the, the AI operation going on as well. What do you think that is applicable here? And like, can kind of compete with open AI or are they two totally different markets? I mean, what's, what's going on? At the moment, it's two totally different markets. Um, but I do see a potential for Tesla to make their way into AGI in general, um, as time goes on. So like right now, they're obviously focused on, um, cars that can drive themselves. They have their full self-driving software that's in beta right now. Um, and not the, it's not in the best state at the moment, but it's definitely, it's getting a lot better. Um, I think they will be the company that solves, um, autonomy for, uh, consumer vehicles. And then you also have to take into account that they're building, um, like their Optimus robot. Um, or humanoid robot that okay so i don't are... know much about that well mm-hmm. what is that it's there so at, they announced it um last year i believe um and it's a humanoid robot that is powered basically on the same tech stack as their vehicles so it has a set of cameras um, it has, you know, whatever computer hardware they're using. Uh, and the the logic behind that is if you can kind of get the their AI up to a point where it can drive, you know, as well or better than a human, um, for to solve a task like that, you are getting fairly close to um, solving AGI as a whole because driving whether we think it or not, it's an extremely like complex task. Um, there's so many decisions that we make while we're driving that we don't even really think about. Um, so the idea is that, you know, if they can get it to work through cars, then they could also have other applications through like a robot, for example, that can work in factories and do, do jobs for, for people that are, you know, either extremely difficult to do, and maybe they're dangerous to do like construction, whatever. Um, and so that's going to be, so, go ahead. So how is that different than, um, Boston Dynamics Atlas? Um, yeah, so Boston Dynamics, they've been, they've been around for quite some time. Um, and I think while what they have done is definitely very impressive and I don't want to downplay it by any means, I think a lot of the videos that they put out are uh, 
I guess a bit orchestrated. Like the what the their robots are doing is kind of pre-programmed to do. Um, and again, I'm not trying to downplay what they've done by any means because it is very impressive. But and, and there's probably certainly a market for something like that. Absolutely, yeah. But the approach that Tesla is taking is not like okay, we're gonna build this robot that can walk, and then we're gonna train it to do very specific tasks. Uh, their approach is we're going to build this robot that can be trained to do any t task that a human could do. Um, and so they're two extremely different approaches. Tesla's obviously being way more difficult, but um, if they were to solve that issue and, you know, have built some sort of robot that can basically be trained to do whatever task you want it to do, in a way, you know, you've pretty much solved AGI at that point as well, because then you can teach it to communicate with other people, kind of have its own mind in a way. And so that, I guess that's more of like a, a real life application of AI that we're seeing kind of unfold. Um, so there's going to be, you know, robots walking around in factories and out in public construction sites. And so that's going to be uh, very interesting to see. That's, yeah, it's really, uh, I just, I wonder what the timeline is on that, you know, like 10 years, five, 15, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of the more advanced like AI applications we're seeing, it's, it's too early to try to put a timeline on it, but it's going to reach a point where we're seeing like just like week by week, just rapid improvement. And then at that point, it's like, okay, we've hit that, you know, inflection point of exponential improvement. And then things will become a lot more clear as to, you know, how fast this stuff is actually going to be uh, or improve enough to where it's ready to be used at like a commercial level, like for anyone to be able to, to buy these robots. Like I think Tesla has said that they want to start out by just using it in their own factories just to kind of, you know, see what it can do and fix any bugs that need to be fixed before they even thinking about letting anybody else buy it. But, you know, at the point that they take orders for this robot for anyone to be able to buy, then it's like, okay, we're, we're getting pretty close to that level where things are going to get a little bit scary. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, um, gosh, and I just don't have, uh, okay, so what do you do? Do you try and implement, I mean, last week we talked about UBI, so do you try and get ahead of the curve and get all the details figured out now, which is certainly not happening, um, I mean, I just, I imagine a scenario, a scenario where we're, we're, we're playing catch up um, and I don't know. Be interesting you mean like us as humans, we're playing catch up against the I AI? I guess the government in this point, in this instance. Oh, right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just, I've given our government's current understanding of 
technology and innovation, I think it's pretty much inevitable to where we're going to be in a position where government, the government is trying to play catch up and they're just not, they aren't going to be able to keep up at all. Right. So there could be a time where things get a little bit messy um, until some other restrictions or whatever are put in place. Because I'd, you know, I think the less the government does, the better, in my opinion. But when we're talking about AGI as a whole, it could potentially be very dangerous. And so I think there definitely needs to be some sort of regulation in place or just at least some sort of oversight to where things don't get out of hand and get to the point where there's no going back, you know? So I think right now that's a very real possibility just given that our, our, the way our government currently operates is just not, it's not suited to, to control something like this at all. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, our, the effectiveness of our discussions, uh, need to, it needs to increase <laughs> for sure. At a very, at the very, that's what needs to happen to start. Um, I mean, without that, we're, we're definitely screwed. So yeah. So, you know, be cheerful and have <laughs> Because the so, the clock is is ticking basically, like a, AGI is coming whether we like it or not, and obviously it's much more it's much smarter for us to try to get ahead of that while we can, and I don't think that's happening at the moment. And so, either to we be do fair, start though, making. To be fair, though, I mean, you know, so now this is like our second kind of formal discussion about UBI and I find them difficult. I mean, it's just a hard thing to grasp, especially coming from, uh, like you coming from a mindset where it's like, yeah, the, uh, the less, um, the government does the better. Um, and it's just such a poor concept. Like how do you eat? Yeah. It's just difficult to grapple with. So, so I get it, but, but it, you know, need to start happening. No, I, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, I've always been of, of the opinion that the less the government does, the better, but when it comes to this in particular, I just, they need to do something and they need to handle it properly because it's a very real scenario that things do get out of hand and become potentially dangerous for, you know, our country as a whole um if, if things are rapid are innovating too rapidly or this technology does get into the wrong hands and it's being used for you know applications that we wouldn't want it to you know if it does get to that point it's going to be very difficult to kind of reel it back in and, and stop it so this is the one instance where i'm like okay our government does need to do something like now is the time you know not yeah. to be all doom and gloom, but <laughs> right. Just no, I, th things I, I, to I consider. Think it's be like anything else, there's going to be good stuff and there's going to be bad stuff. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Right. Well, I think that I covers pretty much everything we had on our list for today. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap it up? No, no. I think we. Uh, I think we got it all. Okay. Cool. Um. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Episode two. And 
We'll be back next week.